1998, I founded the Kalamazoo Poetry Slam. I did it because I had a few talented friends who needed a place to take their art to the next level. And because I knew there had to be more voices out there waiting to be heard. And because I wanted to go to an open mic where at least two out of three poems didn't suck. My name is Tracy Smith, and this is the KZU Slamcast. This is Slam Later, like the poems are like, you dirty fucking whore. But this is one of the good ones from the beginning. My ears reach the suburban noise of night. There's a question asked in one limited moment to never cross I am the Smith. I am the poet. I am the Industrial Revolution. No longer bright as fireflies. This week's Keizu Poetry Slam cast was recorded on November 27th of 2001, and I think it's the last recording I have from 2001 that hasn't been posted yet, but I said that a few weeks back, so what the fuck do I know? It occurs to me that every introduction that I record for this podcast, I say this week's feature is my one of my very favorite poets. You won't believe how fucking talented they are. And I mean it every single time, which just makes me realize how incredibly fortunate I was to be involved with that for as long as I was. Anyway, this week's feature is Matthew Olsman. He is one of my very favorites. He is incredibly fucking talented. He's out there teaching at some university, I want to say Chapel Hill, maybe? I don't know. I didn't Google him before I recorded this. But I know he's still out there. He's doing great work. He's a published poet. He's a teacher. You should look him up because you're going to be impressed with the shit he was doing 20 years ago. So that's about all I have to say about that. You're going to hear a little open mic at the beginning, a couple of poems, a few tunes, and then the feature. I stand in a bathroom after another interlude, another empty moment of blind lust and the same fear that I always encounter in such a time, that fear of the future and what it holds, that what I do today in mindless enjoyment will turn around and make me pay in the future, that vague dread that I am doing something stupid, something vaguely ugly, dishonest, it's wrong of me to be this way, to feel this way. I stand and I brush out my hair as she comes up behind and wraps her arms around me. I just wanted to thank you for all of the things that you've given me. The ability to survive in harsh environs, to love someone without trusting, to watch things that I can't. You've helped me with so many things. You've made me a man, not in the cliche sexual way, the loss of virginity and the, the gain of masculinity, but in the sense of a man as someone who doesn't cry. Thank you for making me decide that it's so far as I can help it, I will never cry again. Thank you for making me a tragic hero, that which I have wanted and written, my tragedy spawned without original greatness, and my heroics contrived and laughable. Thank you for reaffirming myself, for teaching me again that I do not really like all of humanity, that I barely like any of it, that I am barely worth liking. Thank you for the pity that I get. Thank you for the endless, now monotonous speeches, for other fish in the sea, for my sudden transformation into a virtual Don Juan of Sam's Club, coffee drinking and stupid flirtation. My words, they flow like molasses. They move slowly and languidly. They seduce and suspend, and then my anger expands and I thrust and jab with my tongue at the world and my anger and the gift of language, a weapon. 
Thank you for my anger that pops up, fades, minutes pass, days, hours, and weeks, and then a passing word or sudden thought, and I'm reminded of how much I hate you, how much you make me hate myself, how much I'm better than you, how much I shouldn't have stayed, how love binds and cripples, how I told you that I loved you, how much you told me I wasn't enough. Thank you for the clumsy, cowardly, and unredeemable way you tried to leave, to keep me hooked, to pursue others and cage me, how I cried for you, and I hoped against hope for you, and how I never wanted what we ended up being, that I wanted to be an equal, to have an equal, how I hate that you never let me support you like you lean on him and go and get a drink of water from the drinking fountain where I used to tease you. I want you sling an arm about his shoulders. I want you so much more at ease, so much more affectionate than you ever were with me, and I hate that I loved you, that you said that you loved me, that you could take and take and take without ever giving or even allowing me to have such simple honors of the things that you said and the truth of how much more you seem to care about him than you ever did me, that you seem so afraid of me. Now what? Do you think I will hurt you or even say an unkind word when I know that I couldn't stoop that low if I wanted to? And the anger comes and goes. Minutes, hours, days, and weeks, and I don't even hold out hope. I've started to forget that you even exist, except when I have to, when I see you and am forced to remember you, when I hear you mentioned, when I hear something that reminds me of something about you, and I just want to rave and scream and let the world know that now, finally, now, now that I've given up crying, given up hoping, I don't have the stamina for it. I flirt intensely with the girls and with the bring, and I just want you to know that I thank you for all of this, and as it fades, and my anger is dying, and I'm stamping out my feeling for you and for everything, I just want you to know that I do not feel bad. All right. What? Who's talking back to me? Don't make me kick your butt. I can. <laughs> Dude, you're weird. All right, this is a this is my favorite buddy poem. Pretend that on this side there's a monkey making bass in a jug with his tongue. And on this side, pretend there's a pitch black woman dressed in a slow tornado who looks so much like the nighttime she almost turns blue in the sun. She's going to carry us through this tune with the Huntsville, Texas, and the Soul Lifters gospel choir. That's my backup diva. And, and back here, in the center, pretend that there's just one big bang. Now pretend you're just being yourselves. Pretend that you live for a living. Pretend inside your skin you got a friend who's willing to give you everything you ever wanted in exchange for all you've ever been. Pretend you're more obsessed with this moment and less with the way it ends. And pretend for a moment that this is a plywood lemonade stand with a sign on the front which reads, I got no more lemons, just my opinions. Yours for a dime a dozen today. And they're always going to be on the table, but only some are going to set you free. And now... Here's where I need you to believe that here stands a man who pretends not to fall apart, who gets so mad that his lips peel back when we lend our slack to the dark, a man who gets so God-solid nervous you're going to want to talk about it again tomorrow with, that he pretends to stand and listen with a sharp look on his face to see a monkey play bass, bass with a backup diva pulling backup faith for this one-man cross-universe relay race to try and be more than human, beginning and ending be more moment by moment, rolled over, rebirthing again because history is repeating itself in record time, y'all, and we got to stop acting like nothing's happening. 
when we got six billion dawning truths setting six billion different suns on you, but we got six billion different gods who are still up in arms over what it'll cost to follow through so that you can be me forever, my friend. At the same time, I get to be you so you can rock me, brother, rock, and you can soothe me, sister, soothe into one big bang because I don't believe the big bang really happened yet. I think the small bang might have went but the big band's just taking its mark, getting set, and is really ready to go, kind of like a slow tornado growing larger than, larger than six billion words, moving faster than the sky, flying farther away than every race of racing bird, which looks a lot like it would if just one brain in the heart of this place rose up to the actual size of the actual voice it actually contained into just one head singing one song in a word with six billion looks on his face to see a monkey play bass, bass with a backup diva pulling backup faith going off like one big didn't need no
we'll, we'll do one more, and then I'd sure like to hear you again, Charlie, all right? Will you? All right? You come up here and give some good music. Everybody smiles in here. At least they have pretend smiles. You know. Better than... I'm going to get up, but I'm going to ask Isaac to do a song. Will you do a song? Oh, I must let her do one. Do uh, any song. No. No? No. Masters of War. No. You do Masters of War? All right. Will you do that? Uh, th this is a uh, good-looking guy. The hair and everything. He's going to do Masters of War for you. For Bob Dylan. <clears throat> Sorry, I just fell in love with a song. Masters of war, he 
Hear the bell all the guns Hear the bell the death plane Hear the bell all the bombs Hear it hide behind walls Hear it hide behind desks Just want you to know I can see through your Like it's your little toy You put a gun in my hand And then you hide from my eyes You turn and run further When the fast bullets fly Like Judas of old and You lie and deceive The world war can be won want me to believe but I see through your eyes and I see through your brain like I see through the water that runs down my drain you passing all the triggers for the others to fire then sit back and watch while the death count gets higher And you hide in your mansions As young people's blood Flows out of their bodies And is buried in the mud And you've thrown the worst fear That can ever be hurled Fear to bring children into the world for threatening my baby unborn and unnamed you ain't worth the blood that runs through your veins let me ask you one question is your money that good Will it buy you forgiveness? Do you think that it could? And I think you will find When your death takes its toll All the money you made will never buy back your soul Hope that you die your death will come soon And I'll follow your casket In the pale afternoon And I'll watch while your Lord Unto your deathbed And I'll stand over your grave Till I'm sure that you're dead
circus they don't belong out in society cause though a clown might serve a purpose we can't depend upon their piety scary things on the radio. <laughs> a long time ago, I wrote a poem at work. This is what it's like having a job as a driver. Go! 15, 25, 35, 45, signal left. 55, 65, 75, signal left. 80, 85, 90 miles an hour merging. Left lane, cruise at two minutes after midnight. There is nothing on the radio, but I hear a disturbing kind of music in the song of wheels over road, wind through my window, rain hitting hard and fog curling slow. I hear it everywhere and want to be anywhere but here on this midnight route, earning small change with each lane change. Money made at 88 miles an hour, not nearly enough to... Get me out or make one more mile disappear alone on this highway this late at night. It is you against your sanity. Signal right. Pass this asshole up ahead. Signal left. Get back over quick. My mind, it moves faster than these four wheels, and I keep myself company with the speed of voices. I sing to myself sometimes. I talk to myself almost all the time, and it makes sense. Well, once in a while, but what can I do? I got a job to do and someplace to be, and I got to get there fast, and I got to get there now, and I got to get there 
15 minutes ago, I am always running late, always out of time, always driving faster, always driving right foot to the floor, just a few miles more, just a few miles more as I accelerate into visions of repetitions of white lines over blacktop, headlights over horizons, streetlights whipping back above me, converging in upon me until I shift into another gear where I'm no longer here. These thoughts begin to scatter, and I start thinking about that pile of bills I got on the kitchen table back at home the last time Ameritech shut off my phone, signal right, left lane closed ahead, and I think about this girl, the ribbons in her hair, her presence in my room, the way her voice sounds when she is saying, you know, I just really don't think I love you anymore. Cop car on the horizon, tap the brakes, slow down, slow down, and I've been thinking about my future, and I've been thinking about my past, and I've been thinking about where am I going in life, and where am I going in this big blue world, and where am I going now, and hit the brakes, hit the brakes, hit the brakes, stop. Another car does a cartwheel across the concrete, missing me by mere inches. My heart, it leaps a beat believing I am fractions of a fraction of a second away from dying, becoming one with this machine, torn metal, wasted flesh, smashed together in the burning fist of infinity. I hold my breath knowing I could be dead right now. I could be dead. The dashboard lights, they speak to me saying, slow down, Matthew, slow down. And I've been thinking about a lot, thinking about everything, thinking about anything. But at this moment, the only thing I should be thinking about is keeping my eyes locked on this twisting road. Ladies and gentlemen, this world is bullshit, and I've come to rip shit up, tear shit down, not give a shit, and take no shit from no one. No, I've never known the grace it takes to walk like a man. When the world was young, it was whatever I wanted it to be. And that was me, that little boy on the rooftop with the blankets for a cape, looking to the sky, leaping to fly, only to fall toward this inevitable ground. And I was also the one who ran face first into brick walls. Look out, now here it comes, collision, knowing if I closed my eyes. I was invisible and could make it to the other side. I am a master of the bad idea, lord of self-inflicted disaster, father figure for all things meant to fail. I've been kicked out of one college, dropped out of another, and half a dozen car crashes later, I have always been there saying how I couldn't care less, stumbling savagely out in the world to find a way to care less and less and less. Each and every day I was born in a generation defined by indifference, determined to die young, stay young, forever young, never grow old, never grow up, never grow at all. Emerging from the chamber of childhood means admitting the crimes you're capable of. Then I could be, then I might be, then I am. This harsh hand of oppression, mantra of misogyny, rain and fists on female skin, this white grin of devils humming hymns of annihilation against the tender earlobe of the innocent, a red, white, black and blue bruised banner of corruption, torn and taped and blown by the breath of her own exploited souls, the privilege of the proud to point the damn and finger of denial at everything wrong with the world, wrapped up tight in this body of oblivion. There are reasons why boys refuse to become men, trembling when turning toward the mirror of each new morning and if there was ever a moment of clarity this question would shatter in my mouth 
How long have I been this jagged little kid stomping on the world in a body long since fully grown, clinging to these last translucent strands of denial, hoping these frail threads could keep me forever entwined in the glory of a child? I have seen searchlights on the horizon, scorching earth for signs of myself. I have hidden where no eye can find me, where no hand can reach me. Inside this skin, this body, there is a strength I have barely begun to understand, to stand, to walk, to live into manhood, with a terrifying journey inward and onward until the bottom breaks open until only I can be held accountable for the life I launch from here overcoming this fear of definition by finding the will to redefine finally accepting and fully embracing one breathless awakening with an unstoppable hope This is a true story. The entire crew has vanished, and for all I know, they are probably dead. Me and Cameron are the only survivors, and I'm not sure how much longer we can hold on. Lost at sea in a sinking ship, miles from anything resembling anything other than water. A 45-foot wave crashes over the starboard rail, threatening to break this boat in two. I spit out salt water and choke on the wind. My skin is raw from weeks on this ocean. I might never make it home. Another wave hits the boat, and then come the sharks. We are surrounded. Cameron takes out one with the harpoon gun and another with the sword. I toss grenades blindly into the blue and watch the meat explode into the sky. But as I turn around, one of the bastards finally gets to me. It is tearing off my arm. I think things can't possibly get any worse. But Cameron finds a way to hit me with even more bad news. I can't find my driver's license, he yells. What? I can't find my driver's license and I can't find my keys. Well, where are they? I think they're in the truck. Well, why don't you go get them? Cameron runs across the water to the truck. It is a 99 Dodge Dakota, and a woman with red hair hands him his license and his keys. He is screaming, we got to get this stuff to the bank. Well, what about the sharks? No, we got to get this stuff to the bank. We will outrun them. Now, there's something you should know. Cameron is three years old. He lives in East Detroit, my girlfriend's son, and we are on a boat being chased by sharks on our way to the bank because he says that we are on a boat being chased by sharks on our way to the bank. So that's the way it is. And I understand this because I remember when I was his age, imagination was not a concept, but a way of life. If I wanted to see the ocean, then I saw the ocean. Not my backyard, not the scent of lawn clippings or my mother calling me in for dinner. I could smell the salt water, hear the cries of seagulls, feel the rush of waves racing past me every single day. I built castles on the sun, won the Grand Prix on my big wheel, defended the moon against the aliens. I discovered America and drank Kool-Aid with Jesus. Y'all got me to thank for being alive because I saved this human race every afternoon. I fought the Decepticons, Joker and penguin I kicked their asses but now now it is Tuesday night and the sun is setting Cameron is waving his arms in these big wild circles turning the sharks into dolphins swimming backstroke through tall blades of grass and what am I doing all I ever do is work hit the bar when I'm done watch the news when I can find the time and I wonder when I lost it when did I finally sell my soul to this reality? I'm checking for my keys and my driver's license again. 
getting ready for work. They've got me on the midnight shift tonight. This is a poem uh, inspired by uh, one of my grandfather's journeys over here and also by the town I live in. 75 years ago, all my grandfathers. In the old country, before, during, and after war broke, sweat broke on the brow of a young man gazing at the sea, wondering what life could be if we had any kind of future, anything to live for in a less cruel country. All lies on America where the streets are made of gold. Midnight and we sold what little we owned to pack on board a brittle boat. Not one word said to those we knew because those we loved, we loved too much for them to ever know this vessel was never coming home. Onward and onward we'd go into the jaws of liberty, the open throat of opportunity stretched by the pain of poverty hope is what hurls us across oceans cannot contain my history has been a sparse configuration of conflict and contrition vague figures defiant and falling on the front line was returning to my homeland felt like a war wound so I would starve myself to reach another shore lined up to change my name in the name of change now that is such a small price to pay to find your dreams or a familiar face in a crowded place they call an immigrant town just beyond the teeth marks of Detroit where opportunity is pronounced night shift, assembly line, valves in steam, steel in sweat, nails in fear, one backbone that could not be broken, knuckles burnt by the blood of machines. Also, these hands could mend the seams of my children's future, might shine louder than any land I've ever known until this foreign world feels like home, until the water rots the wood until these walls outlive the men who made them until no one can recall when we were all praying we would make it and when I made it I kissed the ground the dirt the streets not nearly made of gold just fell into my fold of my of my story told by every language that ever lived they're all here swirling up and down these city streets are dim reminders of another world and another time is passing me faster than I can feel proud of where I come from we never knew life could look like this. An old man clutches a child against his chest, drags his busted leg behind him. 75 years have come and gone, and I watch the world with bewildered awe while we stagger down the street. A long time ago, when I first started reading poems, <coughs> I mean, I'm sure this, when I first started going to, uh, you know, poetry readings, I noticed this trend, and I'm, I'm sure this doesn't happen out here. I know in, you know, here we're all like mad, crazy geniuses and all that, but when I first started going to readings, I noticed this, uh, this thing that would happen, and it was just like this trend that happened over and over and over, and uh, this was my response. 
And I have seen the most mediocre minds of my generation destroyed by Ginsburg. And for the record, this is not a poem written as a tribute for one dear old Allen. Instead, it's written in his defense because I really don't think it's all his fault that I have sat through hundreds, no, thousands, no, millions of poetry readings where poet after so-called poet steps to the microphone and proceeds to demonstrate how he was influenced by Ginsburg. No, change that. He is imitating Ginsburg. No, change that. He is blatantly ripping the man off. You see, it always starts the same. These people change one word in the first line of Howl. Example, I have seen the best minds of my generation destroyed by MTV. I have seen the best minds of my generation destroyed by Pepsi Cola. I have seen the best minds of my generation destroyed by fill in the blank. Who the hell do you think you are? You're nine years old. You live in Birmingham, Michigan. You're 33 years old. You live in your mama's basement. You're 60 years old, and you have been imitating the same poet for your entire life. Now I ask you, how many of the best minds of your entire generation could you have possibly seen by now? And if these are the strongest, if the best minds, meaning the strongest, most developed, most advanced minds of an entire generation, then why are they so easily quote-unquote destroyed by such trivial aspects of their daily lives? And why do you insist on taking one of the more important poems of the last century only to turn it into the single most pathetic cliche of the next century? America! I know originality is a pain in the ass, but please try it just once. America, please, pretty please, stop pretending your Ginsburg because I just can't take this anymore and one day you're gonna wake up and realize that just because you use the word fuck 50 fucking times in one fucking poem it doesn't make you a cutting-edge writer and just because everything you write sounds kind of like howl it doesn't make you a beatnik and just because all your poems are four and a half hours long it doesn't mean anyone wants to hear it I'm gonna do a few more. This is for uh, any of you who've ever found a friend in music. When you are asleep, you are fully aware that you are dreaming. Just like when you are awake, you are fully aware that you are dreaming. Nothing ever holds you in place, drifting through days in a steady state of wide-eyed amazement, watching that pendulum of people pass you by, memorizing their movements, mimicking their gestures, but at all times you keep your head real low, not wanting them to know that you're around. You remember that schoolyard was such a brutal ground, drunk and wet on the scent of fear. You can still see them circling, everyone laughing at you, everyone shoving you like that, everyone calling you crazy. But maybe you are just a little bit crazy. Ever since you were a child, solitude has been your word for safety. Saturday nights would slip on in and you'd stay at home by yourself. You were such a restless child, up all night with your thumb on the FM dial, listening to that song of the summer radio, thinking that one day those songs might somehow save you. But a single note, when left alone, knows nothing. It was your heart that held the hurt that shaped the songs that gave your life meaning, where endless nights of music led to endless days of dreaming, you became a sleepwalker, a drifter, a daydream 
unbeliever and a crazy kid who could never really sing, but God damn, you could always dream. That was the one thing you did better than anyone, building a bigger, better world in that space behind your eyes, living there like wildfire just so you could pass the time along the length of your imagination. You were lifted to new levels where you were king, knowing that one day you'd be on the radio and everyone else would have your songs to sing, and maybe then they'd all stop to wonder who you were and what you were like and what made you move and what kept you up at night, but you'd be so far gone by then, safely out of their reach, vanishing into vapor where you have lived all along inside a more simple song that no one else could ever hear and only you could truly understand. For the insignificantly jaded. Will you say that nothing matters? Will you mesmerize the masses by your ability to remain unmoved? Will you piss in the palace of pretty things? Will you strut like a platinum polished, indestructible, badass, mumbling, meaningless verses of defiance into the sweet mouth of your holy, cosmic, great big, gaping nothing? Will your statistics slaughter your illusions? Will you make a fashion statement from your omnipresent depression? Will you laugh out loud when no one's looking until your amusement ruins your image and intoxicates the atmosphere? Are you digested in the belly of endless boredom? Do you push? Do you pull? Do you blow angels beneath your breath? Do you feel fragile among the machines? Do you sing your sorry ass to sleep? Will you say that nothing matters? Will you worship yourself in the flat plains of ethereal empty? Force feeling from the cold nerves of fractured glass. Find beauty in the alcoholic rhythm of bone cracking blackouts. Are you numb? Are you jaded? Are you fucked up yet? Would a train with a train wreck quench your thirst? Will you stand stoic on the edge of the earth? Apocalyptic poser. Will you look good on your way down? I'm going to do one more, and then I'm going to let you all get on with your lives. My father was born with one bad eye and one bad ear, an immigrant son who struggled to learn two languages at once, halfway blind, halfway deaf. I speak no metaphors. This is no form of artistic elaboration. This is just the way things were. His right eye, his right ear, useless. The all-knowing hands of modern medicine, with all its majestic benevolence, could offer no attempt to set things straight. No cards of sympathy were sent. No formal apology was given. Just a life that leaned back laughing, saying, that's a tough break, boy, now deal with it. School was a bitch. At the back of the room, he was often asked, Mr. Olsman, would you care to explain this problem on the board? I told you, I can't see the board from here. Bam! Don't talk back to me, kid. Mr. Olsman, would you care to discuss last night's homework assignment with the rest of the class? 
Could you repeat the question? I couldn't hear you. Bam! Don't talk back to me, kid. He learned quick. There is no such thing as a good excuse. So he paid attention, and he didn't talk back, and he worked his ass off to get to wherever the hell it was he wanted to go through high school, college, full-time job, Ford, Chrysler, climb the ladder. I hardly saw this man growing up, gone before dawn, returning moments before I'd make it to bed. This was a man possessed by a vision, devoted to a dream. A simple but noble dream to provide a life without limitation for me. It was years of dedication, years of self-sacrifice. Also, one generation later, I could stand here with you, you and your precious tattoos, your adorable little nose rings, telling me again how boring everything is, how you don't trust people or plan for the future because nothing comes easy and these things exist solely to let you down. Now you can tell me all you want, how good things come to those who wait. But watching my father, the one thing I learned growing up was in the real world, good things come to those who work, to those with will, to those who wait not one more minute, locked into life, determined to live it, tearing at the turbulence of daybreak, awe-struck, amazing, rarefied, and wide awake, knowing damn well that the only difference between you and the rest of the world is the difference you decide to make. So don't tell me what type of novels you would have written, what music you might have made, what lives you could have touched, or what legend you could have became. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to know about it. Basically, what I really want is for you to shut up and make it happen because this life is a rough edge son and these people don't give a damn about what you may or may not achieve and you will never hold their faith unless you give them one real reason to believe thank you Everything's out of whack. People just worry about money now and deny their inner self. What the hell is money anyway? There's an old Portuguese saying, se a merda tivesse valor, os pobres não tinham cu. If shit had value, the poor would never have it. 